This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally, Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Let's go. How's everyone doing? Another episode here. Um, Thanks for joining me. I got a little bit of swagger today because many people, you guys are all watching the show, listening, sharing. However, I have noticed that most podcast listeners in the United States do not automatically get the show on their player. So make sure you follow. It is free. It'll stay free for the time being. Follow. It's not a paid subscription. So today, since I got some swagger, we're going to talk about why does swagger matter? Why does it, what, it, what is it? Sounds kind of, I don't know. I mean, am I overconfident here for, you know, for feeling this way? I don't know. We'll talk to the author of the book, Swagger, Unleash Everything You Are and Become Everything You Want. Leslie M., welcome to the show. Hey, no. You are not bad and wrong for feeling your swagger. Just saying. I want to state for the record. Awesome. So tell me about the book. Why did you write it? Why is swagger important? And what, you know, I mean, some when 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 I hear when I heard you say swagger for the first time, like the picture I have in my mind is the salespeople that just had a really good quarter. And now they're all walking around like this. You know, we're mm. like, we're the best. And yes, thanks for bringing in the money. But it has a little bit of a negative connotation at times, does it not? Sure does. When when I talk about swagger, I'm not talking about that arrogant, show-off, peacocky, in-your-face, strutting around, I'm all that kind of attitude. No one likes that. No one has time for that. That is old swagger, bad swagger. I have redefined swagger as the ability to manifest who you really are and hold on to it in the face of all of that psychological crap that's going to come for it, regardless of the situation or environment. So it means you've got one face, one truth, one heart, and you come with it no matter what's happening around you, no matter what the circumstances are, the challenges. You are the same person who speaks their truth. That's what swagger is. So it, it really means trying to find yourself and, and, and figure out what you stand for, I guess, and, and, and who you are, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, swagger is much more about self-acceptance than it is about self-assuredness. And in order to have self-acceptance, you got to know who you are. You've got to do that work to figure out what are what are the things that make me magical and special? What are the works in progress? What are the things that I that I'm really proud of of myself and what are the things that I would like to change? But here's the problem is that we all convince ourselves that we need to be perfect and shiny and glossy in order to be respected and accepted and to be credible in this world and it's just not true. That's the story that we tell ourselves because none of us are perfect. None of us have it all together. You scratch the surface of any human being and you are going to see a hot mess just waiting to reveal itself. And and that we try and convince each other that it's not happening. And we're all making up that story. We need to drop 
the front and just say, this is who I am. I am a lot of things. And until I show you who I really am, I'll never know whether, whether I can be loved and accepted for who I really am. And that's really all we want in this life. Because I, I know for myself, I would rather be loved and accepted by a few for being who I really am than loved and accepted by the masses for being someone or something that I'm not. That is just not a way to live. Well, and that's that's difficult to keep up, anyways, anymore. Um, so yeah, I mean, everybody is a hot mess. I mean, I'm too. I was I was laughing a little bit at so content marketing world is actually happening right now as we are live streaming this. I, I didn't. I was not able to travel uh, to it this year, even though I was supposed to speak. But anyway, long story short, they have um, a Zoom party. I think it was last night, and they invited everybody to come to the party wearing what they were on zoom calls you know and i'm like i don't know if that's appropriate do you know what i'm saying like you don't want to see what i'm wearing you know below the waist today i'm um i'm dressed correctly no but pants. i'm just saying like you know who today we're good to go but you know you have the perfect setup there leslie i don't know if i've ever seen anybody have a better more linear everything looks great setup there but why is it so hard for all of us to embrace the mess. So for example, 10 years ago, I would have never said, what are you talking about? I can't wear what I wear on a Zoom call in public. Like that's the whole point, right? I would have been like, no, I'm wearing a suit. I'm like, you know, uh, shave every day and whatever. But why mm -hmm. is it so hard for people to embrace that um, swaggerness, I guess? Well, we, we all come into the world a swagger filled badass. We are all born with it. And then other people's voices start to come into play. You know, even even the people who we love and respect the most, you know, our parents or families, and, and they may have the best intentions for us. They may be trying to protect us or prepare us for the world. But those voices start to creep in, you know, we don't really do that stuff. We're, we're not, we don't, we don't reach that far as a family. You know, we're not those kind of people. You should, you should aim a little lower so you can be successful. You know, we don't get those constant messages of you can do anything and you can be, be anyone. But when we're little, when we're really little, you ask any kid and they will tell you, I am amazing. I am awesome. I am beautiful. I'm going to be an astronaut. I'm going to be, you know, a rock star. I'm going to be the president of the United States. Uh, wait, but you're Canadian, Leslie. Doesn't matter. I'm going to be the president. Then the voices come and it, they'll come from our, our families. Then they'll come from school that are going to tell us that conformity is the way to go. You know, don't be so different and unique. There is no place for that here. Then we go into relationships and we change ourselves to suit the other. And then we go to work and we are told to put our heads down and to do the work and to not stand out too much if, if, if we want to succeed. And over time, you just wake up one morning and go, who, who am I? How did I get like this? How did I get so lost? And this is part of the human condition. It happens to all of us in different in different degrees. And I've identified these very clear, what I call swagger blockers, the things that get in the way of our ability to, to show the world who we really are. And every time we go through that exercise, that, that truth in us sort of bumps into these, these blockers and gets, you know, the crap kicked out of it piece by piece by piece. 
So it's it's human nature. I could take you through the blockers if you want to. If you want me to take you through the blockers. I, yeah. Why don't we? But so, but before we do that, I got a quick question. Yeah. So I mean, I I try to be myself, and some people don't like it, and some people. Like, I mean, I had speaking feedback before. I just don't like the guy. And I'm like, well, fine. I don't like you either. Like, mm -hmm. seriously. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I am. Like, you don't like my bald head, my haircut. It's the best I can do, right? Um, but there is a certain level of danger too, right? Because there is, we still have some of the conformity out there. This is how you do the job. This is how you work. And and some jobs are more so than others, right? So I'm thinking if I'm a flight attendant, for example, like like you can play within the, the, the box, mm -hmm. but the box is pretty defined, right? Like this is how you do it, like period. Now, what I do is like, you know, a live streamer, like that box isn't defined at all. You know what I mean? Like we can figure it out. We can figure out our style. How do we talk to each other? What do we do? But how do you balance that potential danger because i mean so if you do it really well it could be very successful which we see all the time too you know but if you don't do it very well like it could be you don't you can't even get a job because you got to fit into either some rule or you got to be some you know what i mean like how do you well, maneuver there's that? there's a difference between between being professional and uh you know and being sort of you know out of control and and those <laughs> those rules are are pretty in my mind they're pretty clear i mean people talk about a, you know a, a work persona and a and a real persona or a home persona or a play persona and and that's an excuse that people make to to compartmentalize themselves because in my opinion professionalism is you know doing your work being respectful of your peers and colleagues you know, being contributing to the greater good, to the collective. It's about being accountable. It's it's about being a decent human in the context of your workspace, you know, doing your work and making sure that you're lifting the people around you as opposed to, to holding them back. That's it. And yes, every job will have its own little, you know, rules of, of um, you know, of, of how it's executed. But if you take a flight, flight attendant for an example, why are some flight attendants great and others not so much? Why do some people end up, you know, on social media with viral videos for the way that they bring their own flavor, their, their self to that, to that job, and others who just kind of become invisible? Who makes a flight memorable for somebody? Who builds loyalty for that company? Is it someone who's just following the rules? of being a flight attendant or someone who's bringing their swagger to that party, you know, showing everybody that they're not perfect. They are not shiny. They're just human like the rest of us, but they still can be good at their job. So I think that's what, what we're talking about, the, the differences. And ironically, you know, people at work will complain about the fact that they're not getting noticed. Why isn't anyone seeing me? Why isn't anyone giving me these opportunities and so on and so forth? And it's because you're assimilating to the point of becoming like artificial vanilla. And nobody wants that. They want flavor in some way, shape, or form. And when you when you try and make yourself so palatable to everyone, you become delicious to no one. We cannot be for everyone in this life. It's not possible. And the minute you stop trying is like the moment of greatest liberation where you go, ah, and I've learned, <clears throat> I don't, I don't have a hate on for anybody who doesn't dig me. That's totally within their power, totally within their right. They will have their reasons. That's on them. 
It's got nothing to do with me. I know what my intention is in this world. I know what I'm trying to do. If they don't get it, meh, who cares? So my favorite, my favorite retort is, hey, you do you, boo, and I'm going to do me. Otherwise, it's the, it's the sort of psychological equivalent of going into the airport, going over to the baggage carousel, picking up some random person's baggage, dragging it down the hallway, taking it home, unpacking it, and putting somebody else's dirty underwear on your head. Because you are literally wearing their baggage. And it's not something that we deserve to do. Their baggage, not my baggage. I got my own. And I don't ask anybody else to wear mine. So I'm not going to wear anybody else's. And and what's actually funny about that example is, you know, everybody at the airport, it's like it's like the sea of sameness, right? Everybody has the same stupid colored uh, bag. So that's why people actually, that actually could happen. I have a bright orange bag. So that's, bag. you know, yeah, you can, you know, you know, it's, it's, you're not going to, I've never seen the similar one before. The other thing, and this, uh, we probably don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but when it comes to standing out and getting credit, there is, it's, it's interesting too, because sometimes, you know, there's so much stuff going on, like, especially when, when you have leaders or executives and people sometimes say, well, they didn't give me credit for this idea. And maybe it was that person's idea or it was a piece of it, right, that they heard and then they put it all together. But sometimes we just got to figure out how do we stay in front of people? How do we share our story and how do we mention it again at the right time and not just complain? When somebody keeps coming to me and says, I never get credit for anything, that's already very defensive, right? Mm -hmm. But you could say, um, you know, the idea we had the other day, how about this and this and this? And you can build on it, right? Like you can be a little bit more um, less whiny about it. Now, the, you know, also ideas are not, are not uh, like apples. You know, if I have an apple and you yeah. have an apple and we, you know, if, if I have an apple and I give you a, an apple, we'll, I have no apple and you have one apple. But if we, if I have an idea and I share my idea with you, we both now have an idea. It's not, it doesn't limit like that. I think people worry way too much about credit and about whatever. The key is to be in your place of excellence. It's to be in your place of excellence and to be kind of freaking joyful about it. Because if you can come up with one idea, you can come up with two, five, a thousand. And eventually you will get noticed. Yes, you need to learn how to speak your truth. You need to know how to claim your space and own it. But never with a view to taking it away from somebody else, never with a view to diminishing somebody else, never with a view to calling somebody out. When it comes to speaking your truth in this world, which is a, a swagger driver, let me tell you, it's number one. You got to get smart about it. You got to sometimes you got to pick your moments, you got to pick your places, you got to pick your people. And if you're just running around with your hair on fire screaming, I must speak my truth, nobody cares. They just want to throw a bucket of water on you and get you to shut up. So you've got to figure out how to reframe your truth. So that is, it is a benefit to the other person. That is smart money because people care about themselves first. They don't, we're, we're like secondary. If, if we even factor in, we all care about ourselves first. So we have to think about how can I reframe this truth, this thing that I want people to notice me for as something that is of benefit to someone else, to the collective and to the greater good? I'm always super conscious of that continuum. Self, other, collective, greater good. And I measure my contribution by that. It's got to hit, it's got, it's got to take a whole bunch of those boxes for me. So if you feel like somebody isn't, isn't recognizing your contribution, 
and there's someone in particular that you want to recognize, you find your moment where you're not in front of other people, where you're not glory seeking, when you're not, you know, showboating, you go around and you say, hey, I just wanted to let you know that this idea for X or for Y actually started with me. I mean, it, you know, it took up, took on speed and momentum with other people's help and stuff, but it actually started with me. I'm really an ideas person and I would love to help you with things moving forward. I would love to be able to use my good idea brain to contribute to the success, to your success and to the, the success of the team moving forward. So please come to me. I'm I'm at your service. I'm here. So you have now, you dropped that nugget of truth, but then you reframed it as something that's important to them and they will hear all of it. That is the secret to being heard for your truth in this world. Well, and also, I mean, you don't even, if, especially if you work with somebody, you don't have to say, come to me, I have good ideas. You can just keep presenting ideas. You can just keep saying, "How about this? How about that?" Yep. You know, oh, here's a um, let me here's a crappy idea. This is actually one thing we love doing at Vox Pop. Me, uh, you know, here's a crappy idea. Everything is a crappy idea, even the good ideas, right? You don't even we, call it crappy idea. I don't know if you know this, Christoph, but yeah. my my part of my history is I'm a creativity expert. That's what I've spent okay. years and years and years working with organizations on, and ideas are not judgeable. This is the thing, is that when we're producing ideas, we are in divergent thinking. In divergent thinking, there is no judgment. There is only production. More ideas, more ideas, more ideas, more ideas. We don't judge them. We don't categorize them. We don't, we don't pick and choose. We don't sift through them. Nothing. We just produce them. And only once we have gone through that exercise completely, that free expression of as many ideas as we possibly can, do we then move into what is convergent thinking, which is when we start to look at them, analyze them a little bit, categorize them, but we do not have to judge them. We're going to have so many of them at that point that there will be ideas that we use and ideas that we don't use. It doesn't make the ideas that we don't use bad. Uh, it just means that they didn't fit the brief for this right now, or there were ones that fit the brief more. So taking away that judgment thing is so key to psychological safety. So I don't want to tell someone something is a crappy idea. It it may not be. And now they're thinking it's a crappy idea. That's like almost like false humility. It's like, here's an idea. I'm adding it to the pot. Let's go, everybody. Add your ideas to the pot. Bring it. Speak your truth. That, I think, is the next phase, right? I think the reason people say that is because in, in, in reality, people judge things, right? Whether it's ourselves. I mean, I do it too sometimes, you know? It's like, hey, oh, is this a good idea? Should I mention it? Should I share it? Um, so really quickly, um, everybody, you guys should read Mark Schaefer's, I don't know if it's his latest article or not, but he just wrote about the why, you know? Like everybody says, what's your why? And he says, forget about it. Nobody cares about your why. They care about their own why. And you just reminded me of that. Um, so you have to figure out why is it important to other people? You know, mm -hmm. how can you help them? So yeah. keep that in mind. Now, I know we took this divergent. It was very uh, interesting tangent. But now let's come back to the blockers. What blockers are happening? What, you know, what, uh, what's happening out there? And how do we overcome them? So, um, well, overcoming them is a, is a, it's a journey, you know, it's going to, it takes some time. And that's usually why people feel so paralyzed when it comes to unleashing their swagger, because it just feels so overwhelming. And there's like, you know, you're at the base of the mountain and you feel like you have to climb it and nobody is helping you to sort of 
recognize where the base camp is going to be, where are the steps, where can you rest, what, you know, what are the rules and so on. So I want you to imagine that the, the real you, the swagger you, you know, is, is trapped inside. And it's in that place that is very protected because you don't feel confident and, and safe bringing who you really are out into the world, right? Um, and imagine now that there are these concentric circles that represent the, the blockers. And the things that your swagger, your truth is going to bump into on it, on its way out. So let's start with the one that's furthest from who we really are, but closest to, to the world. And that's persona. Persona is that feeling that you've got to walk, talk, dress, act a certain way in order to be accepted by other people. It's that heavy, heavy coat that we put on every morning before we go to work or before we go into, you know, um, situations that, that, that we're uncomfortable in, all the rest of it. It's this is the way I need to show up in order to be taken seriously. Uh, the next layer in is ambition. And this one's a little controversial because, listen, I am all for ambition. I believe in success and aspiration and going for your goals and so on. But not when it comes at the cost of your authenticity. If your ambition is causing you to behave in ways that are not authentic to you, meaning the ways that you uh, think and feel are not aligned with, with what you say and do, then ambition is a blocker. If you're trying to use ambition as a way for, for validation and you think that getting a title is going to make you feel better about yourself, I'm telling you, first of all, it's a fallacy. It's not. It doesn't work that way. Those voices are still going to be in your head and so on. So um, ambition at the cost of your, your authenticity will have you behaving in, in ways that are not, are not swaggerlicious, you know? So now you can see that you ambition reinforces the need for persona because those things are, are very tied together. Next layer in is insecurity. It's all of the what ifs that your brain produces, all of that uncertain stuff. What if people don't like me? What if I'm not accepted? What if I get judged? What if my idea is not good? What if, what if, what if, what if? And, and, our brain will continue to do that to us because we don't have concrete answers and the brain does not like uncertainty. So what it's going to do is to create all of these negative outcomes, these imagined negative outcomes, because it would rather do that than feel unsure. You know, the brain has a better safe than sorry default system. It will err on the side of caution and it will start making you really think bad thoughts about yourself. It's where the imposter syndrome lives, for example. And that's why we're so desperate for external validation, because we feel like it's going to make those voices go away. Thus, the connection to ambition, thus the connection to persona. The next layer in is fear. Fear is the answer to the what if. It's the, the story that you play out in your head. What if I don't do this thing in a certain way? Well, this is going to happen and that's going to happen and this is going to happen and I'm going to end up homeless on the street. Disaster, right? The, the, because you don't know the answers, fear is going to fill in the blanks for you. And it will do that so you don't move towards things that are unknown and that are scary. It is such a huge swagger blocker because you don't know what's going to happen and you'd rather play it safe but it keeps you paralyzed. So fear, reinforcing insecurity, reinforcing ambition, reinforcing persona. The last layer in is the big one. It's the doozy, the castle gates, the moat that separates our swagger from the world and it's pain because pain is proof. Pain says, oh, I tried that one time. It did not go well and I am never doing that again. But the thing about pain is that it only has the context for when it happened. So if something happened when you were in grade four, 
you know, you did a presentation in front of people and you were noticing that people were like snickering and laughing and all the rest of it. And you discovered that your fly was down. You're now so self-conscious whenever you have to get up and present in front of people, because that memory of that pain, that embarrassment is embedded with you. So pain needs to be recontextualized. You have to remember that pain is, is memory. And when we feel it, we have to go, whoa, 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 wait a second. Is that really happening now? Or is that, is that the old scar being, being open? But now pain is going to keep fear alive because we don't want to experience any pain. So pain uh, reinforces fear, reinforces insecurity, reinforces ambition, reinforces persona. And there's the real us stuck behind it all, trying to run the freaking American ninja style gauntlet to get our truth out into the world. So in the, to answer the very tough question of what do we do about it, we have to break it down. You cannot eat the entire swagger sandwich in one bite. You have to recognize where am I getting most stuck? Which of the blockers am I most subject to? And now how do I break it down little tiny step by little tiny step? Because swagger is a lifelong journey. It is not a switch that you flip. And me coming from a training background, what I wanted to do with this book was to make it doable, make it digestible and actionable. So there's a ton of exercises in there for each aspect of those blockers. So you can do the work in little tiny, tiny ways in big ways in daily ways, weekly way of the whole shebang, because we have to learn the skills on how to actually navigate and negotiate through those blockers, or else we're just going to keep bouncing off them. And we're going to throw up our hands at one point and go, what's the point? What's the point? Very interesting. And pain is very, um, I mean, that's very debatable too, right? What's pain? Like, what does it even hurt me if my zipper is down? Well, um, my zipper can't be down, not because you guys are thinking I'm sitting here without pants on, but I haven't worn hard pants in two years. <laughs> now, which leads me to my my final question here in the, in the last uh, 45 seconds or so, Leslie. With people working at home more or like, you know, I mean, I'm at home. Is it easier for people to kind of find their true selves? I mean, I think for me, um, I think I want to say that's true for me. That's my, mm -hmm. my gut reaction. But what do you think? Well, I think in some ways we, we, we can't put the genie back in the bottle. You know, this is this the last two years have forced us to allow people into our homes, our living rooms, our messy bedrooms, our chaotic lives with our kids and our pets and dogs barking and things, fire alarms going off and all the rest of it. And we have all seen each other in our in our perfectly imperfect, beautiful, flawed, human, messy states. And we all still love and accept and respect each other. At least hopefully we do. So I think we just want to step further into that and drop that that persona and just allow us all to be who and what we are and to to accept and respect people for things that are much deeper than the surface. So I think it's a good thing. Fantastic. Leslie, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate you sharing your insights. Thank you so much. Have a swagalicious day, babe. Swagalicious day. And everybody check out her book on Amazon. Uh, of course, if you're watching on Amazon, it's the featured item in the carousel. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.